Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Today, we welcome Dan. And you know what? I should have probably asked you this, Dan, a long time ago. But how do you say your last name? It is Schoenbachler. Schoenbachler. See, when you read it on paper, it does. It, I, I, maybe I just can't read. Dan so, Schoenbachler. Right <laughs> there, we go. I, I read it, so so I, I've tackled that part of the episode, and now I let Peely uh, do what's better. So Dan is a high-producing real estate agent with Keller Williams Realty in Hoboken. Um, We have actually had the pleasure of doing a few deals with uh, Dan in the past. So welcome to our podcast, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. And, uh, you know, just knowing from uh, the pleasure of doing deals with you in the past and seeing you grow this and everything else, it's quite an honor. So uh, happy to be Uh a part of it. Thank you so much, Dan. And what's amazing is uh, Dan and Peely have worked on a few deals together and had not actually met until last week. Yes, last week <laughs> so, we which finally is amazing. met at, uh, at one of these deals that we're doing. Exactly. Uh, but it's all been uh, via, via email. Amazing internet. Yes. So again, we always love to start with uh, how did you get started in real estate? So a uh, little bit of a long journey for me. And uh, not quite a traditional one. I uh, was actually a couple years out of college, realized I wanted to be in sales. And that led me to the financial advising route. Uh, And I was actually prospecting a gentleman on the golf course that I was caddying for. And at the end of the round, he was a commercial real estate broker. At the end of the round, I said, I really think you need to diversify some of your retirement retirement products. And he said, I think you need to get your real estate license. So... (laughs) Two weeks later, I'm in real estate school. Uh, Unfortunately, it was August 2008. So I went to join this gentleman uh, who had sold over a billion dollars of property in his lifetime, mostly multifamily, but essentially every kind of commercial product there. And uh, so we were working on a $140 million deal, uh, 18 garden style complexes in the Carolinas. And that one Monday in September... Lehman Brothers announced bankruptcy and everything hit the fan. Ah. So I put the Porsche and waterfront condo aside and uh, <laughs> working night shift at a warehouse, catting during the daytime, squeezing in every cold call I could in between, and the whole market froze up. So wow. uh, tried my hand at residential since I was living in Hoboken and uh, condos were still expensive, rent was still high. And um, that was an interesting year. All eight potential sales I had fell through for one reason or another, including my first listing literally burning to the ground. Wow. What? The weekend I was getting the paperwork, it was President's Day weekend and electrical fire out of the commercial space below. Uh, they're just now finishing the building. The wow. Oh, my. So, uh, yeah. Took a quick break, went part-time and uh, did ad sales in the city for a couple of years. And then timing just worked out where, uh, as you mentioned, Keller Williams opened up in Hoboken. Uh, my closest friends became the top brokers at my brokerage I was at and they were the first to join. So I followed suit and, and had all the training and tools that there's this whole other world. I didn't realize how to do it the right way. And so with that, I've been a pretty heavy residential, uh, business 
but all my investment experience, I still work with a ton of investors and especially in that two to four unit uh, category for people. So since we're on the topic of Keller Williams, give us some like uh, tidbits of like Keller Williams knowledge that most investors and agents might not get from their brokerages. Uh, you know, it's the one thing that Keller does for the agent side is teaching you how to run yourself like a business. Every agent is essentially a freelancer. You're a 1099 tax return. You're in business for yourself. So shouldn't you know how to hire the right staff, uh, balance your books and even the professionalism of how to present and operate with clientele. So it helped increase my customer service, which I'm a big, uh, big fan of as far as uh, sales strategy and all the additional training and openness. There's all these rock stars in the company across the world and they will host webinars, get flown in for conferences and the networking is just incredible. So I get to hear from the mouths of the best people because it is a true sharing culture. Everyone shares their secrets versus um, most local brokerages. If someone's doing well, they don't want to share the pot. Well, that's uh, keep market to themselves. For instance, I mean, that's how we met. We were sharing my, I told my broker, I have this deal in Hoboken. I don't know Hoboken at all. She goes onto her cell phone, finds Dan's uh, broker up, uh, this woman, Renee Condon, huge, huge broker in Hoboken and Jersey city. She just opened a office there and Mm -hmm. she was like, here's my cell phone. Talk to Renee, gave Renee all the details. Renee got the listing and and I got Way the referral. Go. Yep. So a few months later, Dan asked Renee, I have something in Chatham, uh, Chatham, New Jersey. And who should I go? And Renee was like, here's Peely's number. Yep. See, that's, yep. that's, the, that's a Keller Williams mentality. It's all about sharing. It's all about friendship. It's all about, this is what I know. Let me know what you know. And we'll and the thing we'll taking that is that yeah, you could, you could probably, maybe you could have slugged it out and said, okay, I'm going to try and do this myself <laughs> and go out there and figure it out and do all this effort and, you yep. know, learn the market and try and figure out a price. And then by that time you may have lost the listing because you, you're going back and forth trying yep. to figure it out, but you got to the end goal quickly and efficiently and you made great connections and now it spawned to many more things. And I think that's important context for people to learn is that there, there's no reason in the real estate business there's so many opportunities that, that you can grow your network. It's uh, People say it all the time, you grow your network, you're growing your net worth. And that's just paramount for yeah. so much of this. Yeah. Leverage, leverage was one of the biggest things that I've learned and utilized. And my gosh, it's freed me up on so many levels and helped me uh, increase my business more locally while also generating plenty of referral income. I mean, yeah, crazy. you that referral for me in Chatham, I literally yeah. got home from my honeymoon last year and there was a check sitting on my desk. Yeah, ah, it's awesome. Defeated <laughs> all my funds. It was beautiful. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're like, and I didn't have to do anything but make a phone call. Yeah. That's great. Yep. It's amazing. It's amazing. So tell us more about your business in general. Like what are your numbers? How are you doing? How's the market? Give us anything. Sure. So as you said, I'm based out of Hoboken, New Jersey in Hudson County. Uh, we are directly across the Hudson river from New York city. So we do feed tremendously off, uh, how the market acts over there. Uh, we're definitely quite the bargain compared to New York, even Compared to Brooklyn, we're still a deal. And um, our office doors have been open for three years. And the past two of those three years, 
we've been the number one uh, volume brokerage in the county. So another testament Huge. to how all the company operates, the talent it draws, and the success. Um, so you mentioned Renee before. I was actually her first buyer specialist when she was growing her own personal team. And uh, the past two years, they did about $100 million in business. I handled $26 million of that buyers alone. Uh, Renee does tend to do a lot of uh, luxury business as well. Mm-hmm. So when the average sale is about $700,000 in our market, she's averaging more like a million. And because of that, I was also introduced to a lot of high net worth individuals. So for a while last year, I was especially chasing around a lot of these um, homeowners we had dealt with that were have the money and capability to say, oh, you know, I want to diversify, get an investment property. And so I was doing a lot of work in the immediate area looking for uh, investment properties for those type of clientele. Nice. So that may be a different clientele than um, we've been catering to or just talking about people getting into their first investment. So, so if we are talking to someone who maybe has a different, different, we'll say earning level, what, what is something that people, people in that range is looking for? What really stands out to them? Are they looking for capital preservation or are they looking for cash flow? Or are they looking for, you know, tax advantage? What's something that they're looking for? Uh, to some degree, it's absolutely treating, you know, whether you have a ton of money or a little bit of money, it's the, you have to handle it the same way. Uh, but to your question, uh, having a lot of excess capital, so you have half a million, a million dollars cash to invest. A lot of these people do tend to be the kind of wall streeters working on in finance or other high net, uh, net worth jobs. They are looking for, uh, tax shelters or, uh, you know, other passive income or the appreciation is actually one of the biggest. So I would say taxes and appreciation. So our cap rates, the capitalization rate, uh, tends to average between four and a half to five and a half percent in Hoboken, Jersey city area. Uh, why is it so low? Well, it's even lower in Manhattan. And the reason for that is it's not just how good their investment is. It's really a measure of risk. So if you have almost no risk, the fact that these things rent in a day or a week, then, you know, the property's worth a little more because you're not putting too much at risk. That's why when you look in some of the really, uh, down markets, tough areas, yeah, it'll, you can get a 12, 15% return if you get a tenant in there. Yeah. <laughs> so we do have a lot of that. However, if you're putting like bare minimum down, you're not really going to be cash flowing on those investments. Uh, I figure you probably need about 40 to 50% down to start making any money. Otherwise, you really need about a 7.5% cap rate if your interest is around 4% on your payments and et cetera. So we don't have those seven and a halfs. The only way to get there is value add properties. So that's where someone with less money has much greater opportunity to get in and put the work in to add the value versus a lot of the people that are higher net worth just wanted hands off, absolutely turnkey properties. Very difficult to come across here and cash flow. You know, you're going to be getting a 4% return. So if you're already paying 4% interest, get a 4% return. You're just getting the tax benefit of the write-offs as well as the appreciation because we could go up another 10% in a year. So you gain it in a different way. Awesome. It's amazing context. Yeah. It, it, we've been 
talking more on the parallel of people you know, just trying to get out of their comfort zone and get into their first property. So now, now we're talking a, a bit of a different level. And uh, so maybe just in terms of breaking it down, the cap rate, just basic levels, what are we even talking about? Sure. Capitalization rate. That is the equation. It is your net income divided by your purchase price. So let's say that you have a million dollar property that makes gross total rents. You're pulling in a hundred thousand a year. However, you have about $30,000 in expenses. That would be taxes on the property, insurance, uh, water sewer bill, any other utilities that you, the landlord might pay for. So let's say that adds up to about 30%, which usually is for a two to four family building. If I don't have any of those numbers to work with, I will, we will kind of assume that in our calculations, that's a fairly healthy operating building. So let's say it's 30%, $30,000. So your net income and that's not including any mortgage payments, uh, would be $70,000 a year. Um, so you divide that by the million dollars, you're at a 7% cap rate. Thank you. Thank you. And, and the reason we're using cap rates is because we're trying to find a way to compare different investments that if someone's going out there, you know, looking at the stock market versus real estate, you have a, a, a percentage based on if you were to put capital in one place versus the other, what your return would be across yeah. the board. And also many different parts of real estate. You know, if you're investing in an amusement park or a hotel or, or a uh, apartment building, they're not all the same investments. So you want to have a way to value it across the board. So yeah, thank you. That's, that's, spot on is perfect. So we've talked about now what you've been and where you've been focusing at. What's something that you as your self, maybe building at your team, something significant you're working on right now to make your business better or more efficient. Uh, you know, it's funny. <clears throat> I'm still getting down the basics. <laughs> yeah. How long uh, have you been, how long have you been a realtor? Uh, well, as you heard, in and out licensed since 2008 full-time most recently, uh, for four years ago. Let's see. Like, I mean, that just goes to show you, like you've been doing it for a a little while, I would say, and you're still learning the basics. I mean, that kind of just goes to what we're trying to push is that, you know, you'll always be learning you just have to take the first step. And you took your first step during probably the worst time to take a first step, but you learned a lot. Before we even jump on that topic, I think, you know, because all of a sudden you're on a golf course, you're catting and some guy goes, go get your real estate license. You say, I'm going to get my real estate license. And I mean, that's just a (laughs) a plunge within itself. So merit to you. But but what is it about real estate? You say, I want to be in real estate. What is it about this, this, you know, this mythical unicorn that you're saying like, this is, this is where we want to be. I mean, that's the funny thing. Riding out that entire recession, working the odd jobs, um, not making any money. I mean, I had tax returns almost in four digits, uh, some years it was rough. And, uh, I still saw the dollar signs that could be on that upper end. You know, I was always keeping in touch with my investors. Uh, like I said, I actually grew a great network through caddying at a country club where I met this initial broker. So the networking aspect. And, uh, I guess I thought I'd heard something about freedom of schedule in this business, Mm-hmm. but that doesn't really exist either. In fact, no. I probably work more than your average Joe. Um, <laughs> that's theme on me. I've also, I'm also learning how to master my 
schedule, like blocking out time so I could do awesome podcasts. So, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, time blocking. That's another, uh, that's another Keller Williams, uh, point right there. Block out your time. If it's not on your calendar, it doesn't exist. Yeah. So the time blocking, uh, number one, and this is going to go back to the investor too. uh, follow up. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most basic, uh, thing, but when you let one thing get in the way and a second thing, suddenly it's been a week and you didn't talk to somebody that you should have gotten back to right away. So it's, um, you know, still a pain point for me. And I work on it every day. And uh, the new team I'm working with, the Giordano Group, um, I partnered up with Darren Giordano because I knew he was so systematic with everything he's doing. He's greatly helping me in that end. So creating your systems, that's key. Well, since we're touching on that, um, as... Okay, so this is a two-part question. Mm -hmm. You are also an investor. You are currently house hacking. Can you go into that? Uh, yeah, you might hear a couple of hammers and buzzsaws in the background because <laughs> ah, I leverage great. my time by paying someone else to fix up my kitchen and bathroom. Nice. There you go. Add value to my property. Uh, yes, we closed, my wife and I closed about a year and a half ago on a two family house in the town of North Bergen, uh, which is a northernmost town in Hudson County. So I'm about five miles north of Hoboken, um, still close to the water. Yep. And uh, it's been great. You know, I, I love Hudson County because the entire county is so commutable to Manhattan, you know, greatest city in the world and lots of job opportunity there. So, yep. you know, the people need a place to live is so expensive over there. We're a fantastic secondary market for people to come to and uh, it's great community around here. So uh, I was living in Hoboken for nine years, renting, mm-hmm. would love to have stayed there or Jersey City. I just couldn't afford it. So mm-hmm. for a million dollars less... I got a place up here. That's amazing. Can yeah. you share some of the numbers for, with us on your, on your property that you're house hacking? Sure. Uh, we got fell into a very good opportunity. Uh, in-laws know a uh, more local broker to this town than even I was. So uh, she came across an opportunity. They were thinking about flipping in. They said, hey, would you be interested? Because we know you keep talking about getting multifamily yourself and wanting to grow a portfolio. So... Uh, they did make some money off of it. Uh, however, we bought it from them. And, uh, so, uh, two family we got for four forty, and, uh, one of the bigger lots in the area, 38 by a hundred, where most of them are anywhere from 25 to 33 by a hundred. So that grants us a driveway along the side of the house. Um, small little backyard, detached two car garage. Um, the nice thing is that our basement was finished. Uh, so, we had tenants that were month to month on the first floor paying way below market because they were uh, acting property managers <laughs> taking care of the property for the land, which yep. I was like, oh, I'm here now. I don't need you to take out my garbage. Yeah. Nope. Rake a leaf or two. Uh, <laughs> there's no, no plants here. Uh, so first thing we did is we tried to make the property as maintenance free as possible because the goal is every two years, get another property. Uh, whether the next one's another house hack or not, because yeah, fell in love with the property and we love where we live. So um, right. even stay here, all depends on the situation. So I want to make it as maintenance free as possible because we're not going to stay here forever. So uh, we had uh, some paver stones and half the yard with a bunch of brush in between and then a little tiny patch of grass that wasn't even worth buying a lawnmower for. Uh, 
So I said, get rid of the grass, paver the rest. So we have beautiful stone pavers, uh, nice little planter. So we do have some greenery, which I do enjoy. Just don't like taking care of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so as I said, the first first floor had a finished basement. So we uh, it was great usable space, uh, great living room area, storage rooms. So when we uh, ended the lease for the first floor tenant, we leased it as two floors. So now it went from about 1,400 square feet to over 2,000 square feet. So we were able to get a lot more money. Um, and, you know, it's one of the higher numbers in the area. But if you think about it, on a per square foot uh, basis, we're really one of the cheapest. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's funny, properties, the property usually tends to dictate who your client's going to be. Uh, if you're buying a one bedroom for $800,000 in a luxury building on the waterfront, you're probably going to have a young, responsible person because they can make enough money to afford that rent of four or 5,000 a month. Uh, with a space like ours, I knew it was going to be a multiple income, uh, family that would use all that space. So that's exactly what happened. So we have a lovely family came here from union city, wanted uh, slightly better schools and, uh, been here a little over a year. And another thing we did with the backyard when we papered it up, we actually uh, added a fence and kind of because their their kitchen had some stairs going into the backyard, mm-hmm. but we still wanted outdoor space too. Sure. So uh, we we divided kind of boxed in their half, so they have outdoor space, and then we can also advertise our upstairs as having outdoor space as well. Nice. Ah, that's key. That's great. Big buzzword on those uh, broker remarks. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. it. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I, I would just jump back to your tenants. So, so maybe touch a little bit on tenant screening. What did you, how did you go apart the process that you were making sure that you were getting in a, a tenant that was going to pay rent? I mean, for lack of a better word, be, you know, be proficient, you know, do what they sure. do and have the right credentials to be there. Absolutely. Uh, we, we pretty much do this as agents for all the properties that we list. Uh, it's awesome using an agent as a landlord in this area. It's a little different everywhere in the country. However, how it works here typically is uh, landlord doesn't pay anything. The agent will list the property, get it out in the multiple listing service, the MLS. Uh, so that way, we kind of control the flow of leads. Everyone's contacting us directly. We will write the contract. We will do a credit screening, um, collect uh, pay stubs to make sure that, oh, you say you're making 50000 a year. We want to make sure... If we add up, you know, multiply out those last couple of paychecks across a year, that it would add up to fifty thousand, et cetera. Um, every story is a little different. You know, I've seen some bad, some great tenants that has some not great uh, credit, but it was, you know, a student loan. It could be could have been a filing mess up. Someone's student loan. They said they missed their payment. So sometimes a story will paint the picture around it. But overall, we'll do those um, credit and tenant history, like if they've been evicted before. Um, so I've, I've seen, uh, a little bit of everything and then the tenant will typically pay like a one month broker fee to, uh, the brokerage for doing it, for doing the work. So great service for landlords to utilize. And then, uh, we do all the light work. Oh, that's nice. great. Cool. So, so let's go back to you, Dan, as the agent, as mm-hmm. an investor's agent in particular. Yes. So as an, as an investor, what do you look for in an agent? Like as an, if, if I came to you and I was like, what, what questions would I ask you as an investor to an agent? Sure. Uh, 
there is, you definitely have to, to some degree, you treat it the same as a residential. If you were just looking for an apartment to buy that you were looking to live in. Um, so in the beginning, you know, you meet an agent. I want to make sure that you're qualified. So uh, we typically do a sit down buyer consultation to cover the entire process and make sure you're on track to start looking for properties. Because uh, otherwise, the agent could be spinning their wheels. So the agent wants to make sure that you're qualified first. So that would be, um, if you're all cash, having a proof of funds, saying, yes, I have that $200,000 in the bank to put on a property. Uh, or if you're financing, having a pre-approval letter from a lender saying, yes, this person can buy up to a million dollars with 20, 25% down. So we want to make sure that's all lined up before we go out there and realize, oh, you can't actually afford this property. Huh. So we do that the same with residential as we do with investors. Uh, so make sure you have that lined up before you really start talking to an agent. Mm -hmm. uh, however, if you're in an open house or call on a random listing you saw on the internet and start talking to an agent, say, hi, I'm looking to invest. Uh, if the agent says, great, I'll meet you at that property at two o'clock. Does that work? You should run in the other direction because <laughs> how do they know you're not some serial killer or something, let alone approved to buy a property? So uh, you really want to look for the agent to ask certain questions, uh, like if you're pre-approved and all that. Mm -hmm. um, actually, as an agent, I ask a lot of questions because another thing I've learned, uh, you want to narrow down the criteria to almost an annoying level uh, yeah. to make sure that you are spot on with what you're looking for and not going to waste time. Give us so, some of the questions you ask. So I'll ask, okay, so you're looking for a property, investment property. Are you looking to live in that property or not? So like myself with the two family, uh, I qual anything up to four units will qualify as residential. So you can get res a conventional loan on it. So I was able to get away with, I could have done 10% down. I did 20% down because I was living in here. Most lender, commercial lenders, if, since you're not living in the property, the banks kind of look at it as, ooh, there is a chance you might not pay attention to the property. You're just expecting a paycheck to come through. Who knows what the tenants are doing to it? So you're a little riskier. So we want a little more skin in the game. So they will ask for 25 or 30% down. Uh, when you're not owner-occupying the property. So an investor with, oh, hey, I'm going to buy the FHA uh, and not live there, right? Three and a half percent down. Nope. Yep. That, that's, <laughs> there's a flag right there. And then you have to start the educational process and let them know uh, some things like that or direct them to a good lender that will uh, show them. Otherwise, uh, product. So you're looking to invest. Just apartments. Do you want? Are you interested in retail? office space, industrial, um, mixed uses even, you know, with a retail space on the bottom and apartments above it. Uh, that's a whole nother bag of cats yep. to deal with. So, <laughs> uh, but that's very essential because that can weed out, you know, how many buildings to consider and look through and really hone in on my search when I'm searching um, all my tools to help find you a property. Yeah, um, and how much return you want. If the person says, hi, I'm looking in Hoboken, I'd like an 8% return. I say, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and I would have sold it for twice as much because it would have gone for 4%. Yeah. So 
Um, so making sure everyone's realistic. I, with everybody, I always take a very educational approach because as an agent, we're really an advisor. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, uh, you have to be comfortable with what you're doing. You know, I'm not going to say, here's the properties, spend, pay $600,000, you'll be happy. It's got to fit in your criteria and what you're looking for so that uh, it's the right investment for you. Everyone has a different risk tolerance or skill set or experience that they have. So we got to make sure that everyone's happy and we're uh, all on board. So I've shown great investments to people like uh, 6.2%. I'm like, this is the best in the area. Yep. Uh, you should jump on this and then they'll walk because it wasn't for them for some reason. So instead of wasting my time, I want to make sure that I know they're not going to balk on the, uh, on the deal. Best investment in the area. Yeah. No, it's great feedback. That's the first time I've heard it preferenced as the advisor's part, but that's actually spot on. The agents are going to show you based on your context, what they're considering is right for you, but you ultimately have to make the decision, but you need to not waste your time by giving them parameters that you want to be within. So when you do show that you are ready. And with that being ready, you've already set up that you have the proof of funds, you have uh, you have the financing in place, you have an mm-hmm. end game with it. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. Thank you. Where, where do you see yourself going with this? I mean, you know, five years out in game, what's your end game with real estate, buy a property every two years for the next 30 years and call it a day or what's, what's your goal here? Yeah. The goal is always to, uh, probably get out of the brokerage side. Um, but you know what, with the more I learn every day, uh, on the broker side, on the investment side, uh, my goals are constantly, it's a moving target. Yeah. Uh, it should be the ultimate goal is always, uh, build a portfolio, um, self-sustained, have wealth to pass down to my children and their children. Um, you know, I want, with money comes options. So I want to make all smart investments. So if I want to stop working at 50 years old, I can do so. Uh, So with that, the initial plan was buy a bunch of multifamily, but that could be rolling it into triple net properties down the road. So I really have hands off the the mailbox money. (laughs) It It just shows up every day. You know, and maybe we'll have you back for that, uh, triple net talk. Cause we had a nice conversation about that before, but that's a whole nother, uh, case study. Whole another podcast. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So So following sort of where you're going, what is your, what's your big why? Uh, the big why is freedom. You know, I, my wife and I, I've been very fortunate as I think you two are as well to have someone in the very same mindset. And we've been able to list our goals together and constantly review them and update them and, uh, make sure that we're on track for what we want. Um, if you know, it's an up uphill battle, if you don't have the other half there with you. So at the same time, she keeps me in check because I, <laughs> I know higher risk tolerance. Yep. Um, so I'm like, let's go on this one. She's like, Whoa, hold your yeah. I know that I see the panic, uh, at least <laughs> once a day by my crazy, uh, shiny idea that uh, comes up. So. <laughs> so. But like I said, with the more I learn, you know, I'm much more open now to joint ventures, syndication, uh, other property types. And, um, uh, you know, I thought I just wanted to list buy properties in this area. I'm also open to other parts of the country that I'm familiar with, you know, same game plan. Yeah. You guys did. Um, so I'm targeting certain areas like near where I went to college and whatnot that I'm having a net, small network there and looking to work some of those uh, contacts to potentially grow it out. So okay. yeah, so, options. Yeah, Options, great. always. Options and freedom. So if 
If you could leave us with any words of wisdom, what would they be? Uh, I would say I'd, I'd go back to, uh, I think we were touching base the other day talking about the investors working with the agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I said before, whether it's the blue or not, I was chasing some investors. Um, you know, besides having all your criteria lined up and expectations, which is what I do as my advisor role, making sure your expectations are ready. You know, if a market's going $700 a square foot, don't expect to pick something up for 450 a square foot. Yeah. Um, for certain rent rolls, cap rates, they should all be in a certain range. And uh, there might be a problem if we're seeing numbers saying otherwise. Yeah. Um, so having all those expectations lined up, we were saying uh, follow-up. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's Thank big you. on the investor side too, because you know I'm meeting people every week constantly part of my job is to go out and find people that want real estate and how can I help them so uh you know I mean investors and they say oh yeah I want this and this and you know I'll send them some initial okay this seems to fall in your criteria and then they don't follow up and like I said weak point for me and probably the weakest point in every agent's business because it gets a certain workload where you can't sustain it anymore uh i have if i have more realistic investors they're going to get a little more of my time i have the a buyers the b buyers and the c buyers so if you're not responding you're dropping quick to that c level and uh there's other people i could be assisting and helping them create their wealth um faster and more diligently some people buy their second or third place before the first person even responded (laughs) to (laughs) <laughs> well, where can people find you if they want to check you out and see what you're up to and maybe uh, even looking for an investment property? Sure. Um, I am based at Keller Williams in Hoboken, Keller Williams City Life. That's kellerwilliamscityliferealty.com. Uh, my email is first initial and half of my last name. So dshone, D-S-C-H-O-E-N at kw.com. Or call or text me. It's amazing. Well, thank you, Dan. We really appreciate you being on the show today. Oh, thank you. Jason and Billy signing off with the REI Foundation podcast. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Peely here from the REI Foundation podcast. Looking to rev up your wholesaling or house flipping business? Go now to houseflippinghq.com. Jason and I are part of a house flipping family, a community created by Justin Williams. Would we be where we are without him and without his community and his mentors? Probably not. Justin and his team basically handed us personalized shortcuts and exact strategies that have made us explode in today's market. So if you're looking to take the next step, Go to houseflippinghq.com right now. Again, this is Peely from the REI Foundation podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we are so grateful for you. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.